Hello. And welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I. The podcast where we go through the entire filmography and discography of Tony Collette. I'm Sam. I'm Jake. And joining us today, we have our very first guest and our final guest for the Tony Collette portion of this podcast, Mr. Jamie Green. That's me, Mr. Jamie Green, he, him, and his. Thank you so much for having me. It has been one hell of a journey. And have, have we announced, have you, sorry, we, have you announced what happens next? <laughs> um, I think that we will at the end of the episode, maybe. Oh, or let's yeah. just say it now in case we forget to bring it up at the end of the episode. <laughs> so I was like, ooh, maybe we'll maybe tell them there's nothing next. And then at the end, there's like a really happy surprise. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Like this is the series finale. Just kidding. Another network picked us up. Right. If after we after I edit this episode and upload it, I'm going to kill myself and then Jake's going to kill himself and then there will be no more podcast. Exactly. You don't bequeath it unto me. I just watched my internet bleep out, which is too bad because I just had a really good joke. You should say it again. <laughs> yeah. I, I think if I say it again, I will have to take my own life because then I'll have to perceive like something that I've said in the past, which I try not to do. If you take your own life, then who's going to take the podcast mantle? We'll have to go back into the... We'll have to go for our next, our second guest. Who was, who was our second guest? I think Alex Fisella. All right. Or Megan. Your sister, yeah, she was great. Yeah. What movie was that? The Paul Bear. It doesn't matter. Oh, the Paul oh, your favorite. Um. So, yeah, so we're, what we're doing, wait, so should we say this at the end? I think we're going to remember now. Today, we are discussing <laughs> The Wild Party. Uh, the situation. Which version? The situation with the Wild Party is that first it was a book-length poem released in 1926, which is gay as hell. And in 1999, two different musical theater composers decided to write adaptations of it, and they both premiered at the same time. So this week, we're covering the one that Toni Collette starred in. And next week, we're covering the one that Idina Menzel starred in to begin our mini-series on the one, the only, Idina Menzel. Does he? So, uh, I didn't... Hold for applause. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know anything about the Wild Party before coming into this. Jamie, do you want to give us an introduction oh yes am i like considered a musical theater expert in some circles you're the only person among us with a degree in it so yes i have a degree and acting with a musical theater minor minor yeah but i don't have the minor sam doesn't have the minor okay fair i see your point um so i mean you pretty much hit the nail on the head right these two composers i don't i'm sure there's lore but like I don't really know what beef happened, but um, Lacusa, who is considered like a contemporary to Stephen Sondheim, which people who mm. might know that, you know, if you know Stephen Sondheim, Lacusa similarly writes like Funko weird musicals. Um, and then Andrew Lippa, who just sort of turns out like very standard contemporary musical theater mishmash both wrote musical full-length musical adaptations of this poem and the Lacusa version had an out-of-town tryout in Virginia which is where Ooh! I'm from hey hey hey, oh, hey did you see it no I was busy being five years old okay. um 
and it is uh, really about sex, drugs, and murder. Um, so, you know, I, I was not taken to see it. It premiered in Virginia, and then they workshopped it a bit, and then they brought it to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the off-Broadway stint of the Wild Party, the other Wild Party by the different composer, happened at the same time. And just because the, the musicals themselves are not very strong even though performances in the shows were really, really, really famous and phenom. Like this one got a bunch of Tony Award knobs um, and the other one was off Broadway. So they don't like, they don't give Tony Awards for off Broadway stuff. Drama desk, drama what desk, I, theater what world. I, what I noticed about this is that this version was the one on Broadway. And yet if you type the wild party into Spotify, the off Broadway one is the most popular one. It's oh, the only one that people seem to care about. That is very true. I believe, don't like quote me, but I do have a minor in this. I believe the reason why is that the Andrew Lippa Wild Party is just an easier listen and an easier watch. Like it's it just for all intents and purposes is more straightforward and normal. And even then it's kind of wackadoo, but it's very normal. And there's this big number in it called Life of the Party that Miss Adina herself sings. I'm sure you're going to talk about it. But like it, it sort of had several bangers that were like claims to fame. And then the Lacusa score, which was on Broadway with Tarni Collette, is a sort of noise with yeah. untraceable melodic lines. Uh, All of the songs kind of blend into each other, it seems like. Yes. In that they are all yeah. similarly sort of hard to follow sonically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would guess that that has something to do with the reason why one is like lauded within the canon and the other is like academically <clears throat> referred to and otherwise forgotten. Yeah. So the general plot is that it's prohibition era Hollywood. There's this vaudeville duo of Tony Collette and Mandy Patinkin. And they decide to host a very horny party and invite all of their horny friends. And then they all assault each other, essentially. Yeah. In every way. Mm -hmm. That was, um, that was kind of fun to discover that that was just the whole plot was about a party. Um, I always knew about life of the party sung by Adina. I'd seen that um, video. Um, I didn't know this one, but right, right from the get go, I was relating to the material pretty hard. Um, you know, I, I've been to many parties, not to brag, um, any parties, <laughs> a flex. Uh, wow. You know, and, and, how, and, many? and this, how many, if you put a number oh, on it, what, what's the number? See. Um, I, upwards of 30, probably less than 65. Does three R art count as a party? Yes. <laughs> well, There's no, th- only, only if you stayed. It depends on what room you're in. Yes. Yeah. So maybe, maybe like a third of a party. Yeah. You know, if you go to a party and you just stay in one like bedroom of a railroad apartment the whole time, I don't think that counts. I think you have to mingle. That's true. And I don't know where, what kind of house they have in this show. Anyway, I don't know. I liked the fact that there was a lot of gay sex happening at the party. There was, except the fact that there is some, uh, there is a brother couple, uh, apparently, in both versions and the poem, I presume. This there musical is has twin cest. Yes. Um, well, are you which... keeping? Me? Twins yeah, can you... be gay. Twins can be gay, too. 
But they can't. Well, are they supposed oh. to be gay with each other? Uh, supposed. I don't know. I don't know. Why do I look like I am cosmically in charge? I don't think anybody's supposed to be anything, Jake. That, that's true. Um, and then there's a lot of diversity in this production specifically, even though Mandy Patinkin does blackface. But it's part of the plot. It's part of the plot that he does blackface and he's a villain. So I think it's fine, maybe. And then, yeah, and Eartha Kitt is in it. So I actually, I haven't listened to the next Wild Party yet, but I like this one better. <laughs> it's just got more going for it. I hated this. <laughs> I didn't I was, hate it, I, but I was very bored. I was dancing full Charleston around my whole living room for like an hour and a half. What this made me think of was when I was in high school and I was so depressed I wanted to die. And the only thing that made me feel anything was like a big musical number. Oh, wow, those days. I think that's how musical theater people happen. Yeah. How did you happen? Um, Cause it wasn't the wild party. It wasn't the wild party. Cause you didn't party. see it. Yeah. What was it? Are you asking me or her? What was yeah. your first musical, yeah. Jamie? That made that you I, realize that made like, you <gasps> want to get a minor in it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, I will reveal something truly, truly humiliating on this podcast. Um, Perfect place. And, and thank you. And it is that when I went to, when I was, I'm from like a upper middle class suburb outside of DC. So like everyone goes to college essentially. So like it was always in the game plan and I wanted to go specifically for musical theater. And I think it's because musical theater is like the big money maker. Like it's just, there's so much of it and it was so available. It was what I did the most of. It's what you see the most of like national tours coming through DC. Like, so I got attached that way and I knew I wanted a BFA in musical theater because that's who my little heroes had. Like you Googled them all and that's what they all had. So obviously I had to get it too. Critical thinking skills took a few more years to um, develop, but went to Marymount to get the musical theater degree and then switched halfway through. Anyway, you asked, that's not what you're at. You didn't ask any of this. Uh, um, you asked what made me a musical theater person. Spill it, and spill it all. I don't know. I did musicals ever since I was in seventh grade. Like as soon as I could, I did Oliver. I was- uh an unnamed orphan in the ensemble. I was too. Fierce, Sam. Except my... I actually had a name. I was Charlie Bates. Oh, great. So anyway, so I had one line. Line. My friends, when we were in middle school, all auditioned for the high school production of Oliver because they were taking middle schoolers to play they unnamed orphans. But I knew that I couldn't sing, so I didn't even try out. And then all of my friends became theater kids, even though I was just clutching my cast recording of Rent at home, being like, I know that I love it more than them. Cheers. I never did Rent. Damn. I, I think I saw Wicked. Mm. Of course you saw Wicked. Yeah. We're going to get into Rent and Wicked soon. Um, but Sam is uh, my favorite musical theater person because she uh, she loves it. And she's uh, a critic. She's an aficionado and she doesn't do it. And I think that's really the, the best kind because people who don't sing all the time are the best. You know what they say, those who can't talk shit on Twitter. I say that. And then I talk <laughs> shit on Twitter. But Sam, didn't you play uh, a horse in Cinderella maybe or something I, like that? 
I did play a horse in Cinderella in high school. Because when you got to high school, if you auditioned for the musical, you automatically got in. And if you couldn't sing, they would put you in the ensemble. So I would do that to get to know the theater director and try to get her to cast me in the plays, which were much more exclusive because there's no ensemble in plays. Mm, very true. And there then can she be didn't. an ensemble in plays if you make their uh, make one. Well, that's what we did with Our Town in my senior year. Or junior. Our, our junior Town has year. like a thousand roles in it, though. So that's like... Yeah. And they're all bad. Our Town sucks. I looked at the Wikipedia summary for Our Town a couple weeks ago and realized that it might not be as bad as I thought it was. No, it's bad. Have you, you read it? read it or like read the Wikipedia summary? Because when you read the actual play, you have to like actually read the actual play. Well, I was in the play exactly. in high school, so... Oh, right. No, you don't no, have no. to fucking read it, Jamie. I'm just saying, like, the difference between, oh, I read the Wikipedia plot summary, and you know what? It kind of slapped. And being like, <laughs> I'm on page, like, 25 of this script, and I would like to to slam my head in a door. You know? I don't think anyone has ever said that Our Town slaps. <laughs> you really would... I think you'd be hard-pressed to find... Like, some plays do slap. You know, some some American realism plays actually do slap, regardless of their overuse. Like, I, Tennessee Williams slaps. Um, August Wilson. Bus stop is a bop. Lin Manuel Miranda. I don't no. like anything that was written before 1999. Well, yeah, because they don't teach that. They they only teach they don't teach contemporary anything. You have to take Mary Fleischer's capstone, and then it's just <laughs> weird shit. We know way too much about Proof and fucking Neil Labute. And, but you know what? I'm dating myself because I'm sure that nowadays Zoom theater children know more contemporary stuff. Um, but yeah, a musicals for me, since you guys asked, I was a big musical theater. Oh, I was a big into it. I um, took voice lessons and I was in Avenue Q School Edition. No and way. The regional premiere of 13, the musical the lead in Flight of the Lawn Chair Man. Yo, and that score kind of slaps. It does, even though, no, it does, the score slaps. It's very, it was, I was very embarrassed to be in it, um, which isn't a normal feeling for me. Uh, I don't know why <laughs> I was embarrassed. That was a dark year for me. Oh, and then I was also the lead in the pajama game and I was almost removed from it because I couldn't hit this one harmony and like the Senator was coming to see it and the voice, the voice, um, director vocal director was like you have you're gonna be kicked out of the show if you can't hit this harmony and i'm like i can act it like this is i don't know it was I can, not i can act the harmony <laughs> well no no i meant like i meant like they cast me like he didn't cast me the director cast me and then this guy was trying to kick me out for the senator who did end up running for president last year it's also um, like out of any show where you could get away with not doing the harmonies, 13 should be top of the list because it's about children. Going well, it was the pajama for... game. I'm really not paying attention. I'm sorry. They did <laughs> kick someone out of 13 for um, his voice changing, though. Yeah. In my, in my show. That was too bad. That's a bummer. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. So anyone at Marymount who thought that I didn't know about musical theater because I was in Only the BFA... Mm, sorry, it's just because I didn't want to do dancing. Yeah. Neither did I. <laughs> did you go to daily dance? Yeah, I mean, I love dance class, but I don't want to like dance on stage because I get so, so terrified. Singing and dancing on stage 
I actually, actually hate to do it. I'm going to be so honest. Like, there's just so much that could go technically wrong. Acting, yeah. you, you don't love how I act. That's fine. It's subjective. Singing, if I'm not on the note, I'm not on the note. Dancing, if I'm not doing the step, guess what? I'm not doing the step. Like, there's just so much that could inarguably go wrong. I think, yeah, dancing is the hardest thing. It's the easiest thing to notice that's fucked up. Because you could sing like a sharp whatever or flat something and then the audience might be like, well, I don't know the song, but like- Maybe it's jazzy. Maybe it's jazzy, (laughs) but yeah, I, yeah. If your vibrato comes in wide enough, sometimes you can really get away with murder if people are into it, you know? When I was in high school, I think that I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I signed up to go to an art school for the straight acting program, but nobody else did. So they forced me to do musical theater and I would have to go to all of these intense dance and like singing classes all the time with musical theater children. And they assigned me the duet Unworthy of Your Love from Assassins. I'm unworthy of your love. Very Daisy of Love. So I remember thinking that if I couldn't hit the notes, which I couldn't, I would just play it off as like being crazy. So true, bestie. Mm-hmm. Not to be a <laughs> musical theater kid, but you would actually be phenomenal specifically in that role in Assassins. I should learn how to sing specifically to do It's never that. too late, I don't think. I mean, now that you're like older, I think your voice is, is developed into, you know, you don't have to learn how to, well, you do have to learn how to sing, but you don't have to like have a voice change unless you start smoking cigarettes or something. It is for sure too late for me to learn how to dance though. Oh, well, we, we've tried that together. Ballroom class at school. That is school. true. That was a... Uh, a moment that was bad um i love yeah anyways i love musicals um this really took me back maybe this show isn't as good as i think it is i like had a really fun time listening to it but i think it's because i haven't done a full listen through of a musical since like 2014 me too and so i was like oh my god like i was like oh it's a musical and tony's voice is here like so it's probably not as good as i um can i be a hundred percent honest The last new musical that I listened to or saw was Dear Evan Hansen in 2017. That's nauseating. Not even new. Listen to that. Not even new musical, just like new to me musical. You haven't, you haven't not been introduced to a new musical since 2017. I simply do not have the interest anymore. My last one was SpongeBob, which is actually pretty. It slapped. Mm-hmm. That was a fun. That was fun. I like. Yeah. I saw. I, it. I had a good time. I saw at SpongeBob. So, do we want to go through this musical? Yeah, definitely. I, so you've it, seen it, right, Jamie? I so I have seen this show, this this Lacusa yeah. Wild Party. I've seen it in real life, a production, not this obviously not the Broadway revival or uh, production, but I've seen a production. I have listened to the cast album before in the past independently, and now I watched the it's like 80% complete, but the Broadway bootleg, um, I watched through that and also like read along to the plot summary as I went. Um, so yes. I only read along. I didn't actually watch that yet. I I like to, um, you know, when I listen to a cast album, I like to picture everybody and imagine what they're wearing and, you know, flying on aerial fabric or fireworks or whatever stage things I design in my head. I tried to watch the bootleg, but both the video and audio quality was so bad that I couldn't 
pick up on what was happening without yeah. having previously listened to the album. But both musicals open with a song called Queenie Was a Blonde. And it's yes. basically... Yes. So Queenie is a vaudeville dancer and the show is introduced in a vaudeville way. It's like all these dancers, this ensemble company, just kind of delivering exposition straight to the audience and saying, this is Queenie, she's blonde, she's a slut, she loves abusers. And then they have a song uh, called Maria's Tricky where Mandy Patinkin is, is doing that just his like a ripoff of Sound of Music right there? Like the second song in Sound of Music? I don't think so. Marie think... is tricky. <laughs> like, right? How do you that, solve a problem like Maria? That's the minstrel version. Marie? There's no Marie in this show. I think it... Marie is part of his blackface act. Yeah, he's doing oh. a minstrel show. And then Which I actually home. think it's I actually think it's worth mentioning because all three of us are at least quite passing. Um, that it's a, it's a, I assume the poem was written probably by a white person. Um, and I'm going to assume, no, I know that the the book writers of this show are Lacusa, who wrote the music, and George C. Wolfe, who mm. is black, who wrote the book, I believe, and Wolfe also directed. So, Oh, you directed this? George C. Wolfe did direct this. Oh, he just directed the movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm. which is interesting and, because oh. that's similar period and yeah. themes yeah. and stuff. And, and Queenie was originally black. Yeah. Vanessa, Vanessa Williams. 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 Mm -hmm. And then she and got the, pregnant. The classic old issue of, well, I guess if we can't have Vanessa Williams, probably Tony Collette, right? Right. Same like, thing. I'm assuming that's the conversation. They were like, damn, Vanessa can't. Well, I don't, I don't know. What, what is Tony Collette like up to? I guess. Imagine unbelievable with Vanessa Williams. <laughs> Imagine I would watch the shit out of that. Imagine Desperate Housewives with Tony Collette. <laughs> imagine the nine, two thousand two revival of Into the Woods with Tony Collette as the witch. I want to imagine that actually. Ooh, oh, we have Vanessa Williams did that, didn't she? Mm -hmm. She's great. Well, that's the other thing too is that we do have to say this is Tony's like pretty much only stage credit ever. She's done. She's done also, other stuff. I think that she did like a Broadway play. This is her only okay. Broadway musical. And it's her only like musical proper like period. Cause That's I don't true. think she, I mean, she's sung four films, but not like a musical. She hasn't just like in Mamma Mia or anything. I have to say like on that note, I had listened to the cast album, but watching the bootleg, Toni Collette can fucking sing. Yeah. And she can, she can also dance. She's also a strong dancer, but the voice that it's was great. really wild it did was really you, wild did you know that she was supposed to play roxy in the chicago movie and then what happened the director like picked her and then harvey weinstein made him change it to renee zellweger she was amazing but like can I you imagine tony's star ugh. the problematic moments just keep coming for harvey weinstein and then we would never have had that dumbass judy garland renee zellweger movie last year Oh my God! Do you think that would have been Tony? I hope not. Yes. Uh, I hope Tony wouldn't have done that. <laughs> she would have rewritten it. She would have said, "This is bad. I'm making it better." So um, we're so we're introduced to Queenie and Burrs are the characters' names. Uh, Queenie, Queenie's and... a slut. Burrs is a vicious man that she's uh, living with. He comes home and. She's, She's like, make me some Java. 
Yeah. Give me some coffee. And then he tries to kill her, I think. Mm-hmm. He's just sort of bad news bears right from the start. Like, with no redeeming quality. Except for the age-old let's have a party idea that he presents to her. True. He is yes. like, put the knife down, baby cakes, instead of you killing me in our bed. Oh, she was trying, yeah, she pulls a knife on him, right? In self-defense. Wow. <laughs> 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 yeah, she, technically a knife is pulled by okay. her on him, but... Um, it's and, amazing on the album because it's just them singing about regular stuff and then maybe a half second's pause and then she goes, come near me and I'll kill you. <laughs> that is also essentially what happens <laughs> off the cast album and on stage. Um, you can see why people were like, these shows aren't good. Like both of these productions flopped, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I also am very into this idea. I thought what I thought was happening was that Mandy Patinkin was doing different forms of blackface in every song on the album. Because during <laughs> this Wild Party song, he's giving me like Audrey 2 vibes. Whereas in the last song, he was giving, you know, minstrel. Vibes. He does sound different in every single song he's on. Well, I don't know why. By, he was 48 I, and just trying to get through that score. I think, <laughs> I think he just had to get to the show every night. Isn't he a on-time person too, though? Like, doesn't he know how to do that? This score, I, we can get into it, but th- every single number of this score is like, everyone scream now mm-hmm. and don't it, That's true. It's one of those shows that you really can't be in and preserve your voice. Yeah. Is it a, um, a one-act is it done yes. in one? Okay. Yes. That and sucks. The it's Lipa so long. I believe the Lipa version has an intermission. Usually. Yeah, I think I think I saw on the Wikipedia for that one, Act 1, Act 2. This one just has like sections labeled yeah. in bold. Yes. I will say that I really dig the Wild Party song itself at the end when they're like, we're going to throw a party and they're like conspiring. They're giving me real big Flotsam and Jetsam vibes. Stop. Oh, the end of this? Yeah, this is just like if you left the eels from Little Mermaid to their own devices. <laughs> as, and if they were as one does. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, There's I, a and few then... Little Mermaid moments here. Sorry, Jake. Okay. No, no, please uh, share the Little Mermaid moments because I don't know what you're talking about. There is one song that opens very similarly to the beginning of Poor Unfortunate Souls. The. Uh, bum, 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 bum. The song where Jackie rapes Nadine. Uh, sorry More. to skip. Yeah, at the beginning, mm. he's like... I was kind of sad that he raped her because... Uh, were you? He was, he was like a gay character um, at the beginning, and then he took her to the bathroom and they did coke, and that was rough. Also, she's 14. Oh shit! Yeah, she's, the, he... she's referred to as the minor. Mm-hmm. That's her character description. Why was I so sure that she was like seventeen and a half? Because she keeps saying, first of all, because the woman playing her is thirty-five. Second of all, <laughs> it's because it's because um, she keeps saying she's sixteen. Like oh. she she keeps, but she, it's like a bit where the sister will be like, "Oh, this is my sister," and Nadine will be like, "I'm 16. and the sister's like, "She's 14. And it's literally whatever. like Annie, like Little Orphan Annie. Yeah. Oh no. She's the that's the one. She's always the one who's like the lights of Broadway or whatever, right? I just yeah. Wanna see, I just want to see the lights of Broadway. 
it's everything. Like the only memorable line from the show. It's just the star to be verse from Annie. Yeah. What's that? Um. What's that one? That Thirty Rock joke with which like sh- the woman steps off the boat, the Excuse bus, me, and she's. Do you know where a young prostitute can get her start yeah. in this town? <laughs> but doesn't she sing? Two she sings bucks, the yeah. One bag, one me. I don't know. Anyways, I was in Thoroughly Modern Millie once too. I played Ira Gershwin. Hey. Yeah, he had no lines. But that's I a rem- good show. I remember seeing. I mean, thoroughly- it's problematic. <laughs> I remember seeing Thoroughly Modern Millie for the first time when I was like 16 years old. Me and my friends went to see somebody's little sister in their middle school production of it. And at intermission, we all looked at each other and we were like, is this show racist? And yeah, it turns out it is. I was in so many problematic, like Asian face shows um, in high school. Because Thoroughly Modern Millie has that whole thing going on. At least they cast Asian people as the roles. I wanted the role and I'm so glad that I didn't get cast as it. And then also we had a white Christmas Eve in our Avenue Q. There was only one Asian girl in the program and we had a double cast. So that was rough. Craig Long sent me a video of a production of Avenue Q that he was in when he was like 13. And their white Christmas Eve is neither committing nor not committing to the accent and it's very strange well i could understand her hesitancy i was about to do do an impression but i thought it would be in poor taste yeah i mean christmas eve is like one of the best roles ever so truly if you cast in it you know you might as well just do it the original woman who played her got like mad on Facebook because Anne Harada. Anne Harada around what the time. What did she get mad about? I love Anne Harada. Is this I know. Bad? Stage around, manager on Smash. Around yes. around the time of the Black Lives Matter protests, like June of last year, some genius decided to create a Facebook group called Artists Against Racism, where people would talk about how to like not be racist anymore in the arts. And it so became- far, I got to say, I'm on the side of artists against racism. I don't know yeah, so which far. characters in this story are going <laughs> to pop up on which side of that. But I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to firmly say I am an artist. I'm against racism. Yes. Well, so- just wait. Somebody somebody made a post saying like, how does anybody perform Avenue Q anymore? It's so racist. Christmas Eve is such a racist character. And Anne Harada commented. Popped off. And was like, how dare you call Christmas Eve a racist character? I helped create Christmas Eve and I'm Asian. So. Well, that that's a great argument for authenticity in the writing process. Yeah. I also don't necessarily think she's yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, are there stereotypes in the show? Yes. Is there a song about how everyone is racist? Yes. Is Gary Coleman in the show? Yes. But they're all played by the people. Do you know who was the understudy for Gary Coleman on Broadway? Oh, God, what horrible thing. Are I you? don't know. Was it Anne Harada? No, it was, <laughs> it was Chandra Wilson, who plays Dr. Bailey on Grey's Anatomy. No way. Yeah. I She would have slayed that track. There's like a single bootleg of one time that she went on on uh, YouTube, I think. I love, I got to say, I really love when there's a single bootleg of some like tangentially famous person like doing something obscure on stage. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, uh, have you seen Adina Menzel's My Strongest Suit? Yes, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
she has like a witch hat on at the end and I'm like is this a reference or I don't know I love Aida Aida has racial themes yeah it does have racial themes doesn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> and you gotta hand it to musical theater for always pushing the bound pushing the envelope in terms of uh what kind of stories are allowed to be told right and I'm being serious because no, just because this was in the 90s or like late turn of the century, whatever. I was like, oh, there's no way there's going to be gay people. And we're like, oh, yeah, I guess I forgot that it's musical. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just not to be like not to rain on the parade. Haha. Topical um, pun <gasps> joke reference. But um, have you all read that article going around from the Hamilton National Tour cast member who basically comes forward and is like, oh, man, like. Let me tell you, being in this show and like an underappreciated track and knowing that all of the big money is going to like the white production team and the white directorial team and the white music direction team did not feel bueno. Um, It's a really upsetting article. And if you want to like ruin your day, but ultimately become a stronger leftist, like read it, (laughs) Um, you know, I I I sort of just summed it up though. I saw a tweet about the article. You, I read a tweet about that article. Yeah, I read a tweet about an article about you. You're well, famous. I butchered that line reading. <laughs> um, yeah, I Hamilton supposedly is is problematic. Um, With every day that passes, I stand by the opinions I've said on this podcast less and less. Every day, I feel like I enjoy Knives Out more, and I hate Tony Collette's solo music album more but it's so good have you listened to it it's called beautiful awkward pictures i certainly haven't but i'm currently on spotify pulling it It was our our episode last week and it's worth a listen honestly i thought it went off but our guest really didn't and actually she was right but i mean i i stand it anyway i mean she wanted to do it yeah i give it a listen for sure yes this album art to say that it is damning <laughs> is like kind of an understatement. Tony, it was 2006. Yeah. Johnny's Lips, Tent oh. Waltz. Johnny's Lips is Trouble hard. with Sister? What? <laughs> Trouble with Sister. <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. I think the best tracks are Look Up and um, the first, I think the first song's pretty it's good, like, right? This is the moment. Or this moment is golden. golden. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> This is the moment. This moment is ah. golden. So what are the characters? What are these other characters in this show? I um, wrote them down. <laughs> I mean, I, I have them here in front of me. I was just, I was bringing up the topic for all of us to share. <laughs> we have the incest brothers, Oscar and Phil. Phil. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Jewish brothers, Gold and Goldberg, who are busy. I did confuse them. Yeah. Based on the Wikipedia's poor... Um, yeah. So who are the Jewish brothers? They're producers, Gold and Goldberg. And their issue is that they think they'd be more successful if they were less Jewish. And so they just sort of fight about um, the Goldberg wants to change his name to Golden. So it'd be Golden Golden, which I guess is less Jewish coded. <laughs> um, I mean, I think my I think my bloodline used to be um, Greenberg, but oh. then they dropped the Berg for similar reasons um at some point 
But yeah, it's their their producers, and that's why Dolores, played by Eartha Kitt, and one day me wants <laughs> to seduce them because she believes they will like boost her career. I love Dolores. Did we lose Jake? Fuck, we did. All <laughs> right. Did so how did we not notice? Let's just talk amongst ourselves until he comes back. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I love Dolores. I love her. I feel like she she has that song. Hold on. She has several really good songs. She has a song called Moving Uptown where she says that she invented walking. That's true. Which I really appreciate. Well, as she's trying to convince the uh, Golden Goldberg to take her with them when they move uptown to get power in the entertainment industry. She's trying to convince them to take her with them. And then by the end of the song, she just goes, I hear you're taking me along, which is an incredible tactic. I, w- I want you to know, like, you you didn't watch it. You only listened. Watching it, it's it's really just that. Like, she just sort of struts around the stage asserting herself. And at the end, she's like, I'm glad we're all agreed. Yes. By the end, she just gaslights them and says, oh, you already. I'm sorry. I thought we discussed this. Yes. And then debatably later, honestly, I say debatable. I'm not joking. I mean, like, it's actually open to interpretation. She may or may not sexually assault them later. Like when she hooks up with them, they may or may not have been been too inebriated to consent to, to that. Wow. Or rather, they are too inebriated. But whether or not she is is unclear oh so so she so she might has sex with them and then they wake up and they're like what happened and she's like we all had sex and after you told me you're taking me uptown and if you go back on your word on a a, a woman scorned like cosmically bad things will happen to you yeah she puts a curse on them oh weird hi jake hi jock i have no idea i thought that it canceled was it just me you just froze and then disappeared Oh my God. Yeah. It, Zoom like quit. Wow. Yeah. We were just talking about Eartha Kitt. She's oh, too I powerful. Missed it. Wait. So wait. So wait. She cast a spell on the, the producers. Is that what happened? Well, like a lust. Not actually. I was just In the way that women do cast spells on but, men. It's like the same spell that you... I cast on you when we first met, Jake. <laughs> oh, right. The seduce, the seductress. Yeah. <laughs> Sam the seductress. Wait, but did you talk about how she's Madame Zeroni casting a spell? Oh. We did not. Is she Madame Zeroni, IRL? Of course. I didn't know. Do you take Madame Zeroni up to the mountain? I only knew her. Your family will be cursed for all eternity. I only knew her from Emperor's New Groove. Yzma, yeah. Yeah. Best woman award. Spoiler (laughs) Best woman of all time award goes to Eartha Kitt. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, I love her. I love, and oh, I had to, I had to say something about her as well. When she first arrives, I'm so mad that I spoiled, I spoiled it for myself that she was in it because I looked at like the credits on Spotify, and like if I had, I would have lost my shit if I had just gotten to her part and she just went, "Well, I'm here," or whatever she says her <laughs> first line is because it's like so distinctive. She's like barely in it too, but she has like two songs and she just kind of, I, I assume kind of traipses around. She goes, I drove a man to homicide. Yes, she does say that. <laughs> Which fucking uh, really- Homicide. She, uh, on Wikipedia, it says that out of town, her role was cut down. Like they they snippety snipped a lot of Dolores out of the show, which I just think is absurd because Dolores and Queenie 
are like the two characters that I just ate up. Yeah. Kate, Tanya Pinkins mm-hmm. as Kate is ridiculously good, but she doesn't do anything exciting. I love the no. song. Best Which isn't Friends that the role? Oh, it's a good song. Isn't Adina the one? Isn't that her role, Kate, in the other one? Yeah, but it the, the you'll get to it next week. I don't want to talk too much about yeah. the Lip as Wild Party, but it is very different. You're going to have a lot to talk about. Ooh. It's just so, it's you, you're going to watch and be like, oh, I see how this is the same source material, but just so differently handled. I remember you told me right. when we initially booked you for this episode, Jamie, that only one of the musicals has child rape. And then today you told us that only one of the musicals has blackface. So it looks like, yes. and this has both of those. This has have both of them. It seems like this is a much more political musical. I love a political musical. Um, this one is the only one with child rape. I believe it's the only one with incest. It's the only one with a morphine addict being dragged across the stage. Um, it's the only one. Oh, that's my dream role, by the way. You would be f- absolutely fierce, except oh, you have to really be. Is that Sally? That's Sally. I that's don't have the Sally. Only... She's the one who goes like, ah! Yes. Yes. That's my only issue. Yeah. I feel like every time I see a person in a musical that I think I could play because she's not doing any singing, by the end of the second act, she she's an opera singer. Beggar woman, Sweeney Todd. That's just what I was thinking of. You know what what came to mind when you said this? I was like, oh, you know what? Sam could slay in act one, but act two, they have to send somebody else on to cover the song. Um, The Wicked Witch of the West in Wicked. (gasps) Nessa Rose. Wow. Nessa Rose. Because act one, you would be perfect. Oh, she doesn't even. down the entire time. But then act two, she has. Act two, does she even sing? She does. It's just not. Oh, that's right. For no reason. It's too spoiler. No, it's too spoilery, they said on the Wikipedia. That is absurd because every song in act two is like things went wrong and we have regrets and it's this specific. Yeah, but if you think about it, a lot of the lyrics are very like imagery instead of over content and wicked. I suppose. I like a comet pulled from orbit as it passes a sign. Like a drain washed a drain washed like a sheet no. dropped by a scabell. I worked on a Bernadette Peters impression recently, but I think I lost it because I didn't touch it for like a month. Damn. But I know. It was actually not. Adina terrible. is my Adina is my snatch game character. Um Yes. A really good untouched gets- snatch game. Yeah, exactly. But my impression of her gets worse and worse every time I do it. So I can't <laughs> wait to watch her in some things again. Because every time I'm like, guys, listen, I got an Adina impression. And I, in whatever setting I'm in, and I go, oh my God, they just go like, um... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really <laughs> laughing because it sounds like a curse. I have an amazing Adina, Mand- Adina Menzel impression, but the curse is that every time I do it, it gets worse. <laughs> so I can only show it like a million okay, yes. times. How are you doing? It's not great. Well, because it's also, well. she's she's so niche. She's so niche, kind of. And like her her like she, people know who she is, but her her specificness is niche. Like not everyone knows. Like, like hi guys, I have asthma, you know. And sometimes it impacted my ability to sing Defying Gravity. You got to do the eyes. Like, you got to do the Dina Menzel eyes. Wow. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so glad that I'm being covered on a podcast. Starting next 
week, guys. Oh my god, I have interracial Christian children. Oh my god, she's Christian children. Hey, Diggs. I thought she's Jewish. She said on her, she has two Christmas albums. She said in the song Minuet that she would let her kids choose their own religion. They can choose their very own religion. What's that song that you love that's insane? Larissa's Lagoon. Adina has a song on her first (laughs) solo album that's like about a little girl getting raped by her father. I'm sorry? It's called Larissa's Lagoon. We will not be covering it on the podcast. When you first said Larissa's Lagoon, I thought of there's a song in Susical the musical that's like about like a made up little that's McGilligan's Pool. McGilligan's Pool. On. You're telling me that Larissa's Lagoon and McGilligan's Pool are not cinematic parallels. McGilligan's <laughs> Pool was just banned. Was one of the banned Dr. Seuss books. So, by Seussical. What was racist in McGilligan's Pool? Don't tell me. Probably the, the internment fish. camps. <laughs> <laughs> I used to sing that song for auditions when I was like I, twelve. My that song really changed. slaps. And at the end, like if you see it, here's the thing. My most musical theater opinion is if you see a good production of the Lucille Lortel edited version of the book of Susical the Musical, <laughs> it will bring the house down. It moves really quickly. It only has material that pushes like the plot or expounds on the characters effectively. The the, the music is beautiful. I will cry every what, time. What's the What's the version? What's what do they change? There was Is this so, the original? No, it's not the original. There, <clears throat> it's like an hour and a half long one act oh. Susical Junior, but there's like two Susical Juniors and one is like and the other <laughs> is like the Lucille Lortel off-Broadway revival mm. edit. And it's like it's just perfect. Like if you see it you're like this is just really perfect. It could be done with like a cast of 10 like cuz Susical a Dr. Seuss musical did not need to be two and a half hours long. Absolutely. The initial, in the original no version. Timeline. In no timeline, didn't need that. In no timeline, my dream role is um, Maisie the bird. Oh, me too. Yeah. Like, if I could just, just once play that role, I would quit. Can you be Maisie and I'll be Gertrude and Sam? Do you want to be the cat or the sour kangaroo? Oh, I don't know about that. Hell she's, yeah! <laughs> she's coded pretty unmistakably as Aretha Franklin. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> Let me expand Damn, my you... range. <laughs> I can be powerful. I think you could... No, be the monkeys. The Wickersham brothers. The Wickersham brothers, another incest, um, twin cest duo. The Wickersham brothers don't do incest. Pretty but coded. They do, I, would, I would. But they do in the Wild Party. Yeah, if you're related to someone in the Wild Party, you have to have sex with them in Lacusa's Wild Party. Mandatory. Mandatory, bitch. Again, I really related to this party, uh, this show, because of the parties. I didn't know where (laughs) I was going with that. You Uh, hosted a few parties. I'm so sorry you have to edit these. I hosted, okay, let me talk. Do you want to talk about those? You want to go on a tangent about my parties that I hosted? When I moved into a party apartment, which is a, a big responsibility. If you move into a part, an apartment, where there have been multiple generations of Marymount students that yeah. have like made out. Wesley Hayden home. like stole one of your light switches. Yeah, it's great. Martin Lewis's head went through the wall. Marcus Mars crashed my 21st birthday and left his vape there and we kept it. What do you guys think a good party should have? Bitches. Well, I guess we can go in order. Oh, bitches. 
Yeah. Oh, constant facts? Yes. I would love it if it started really promptly at like 7 p.m. and everyone was gone except for two people by like 10 or 11. Yeah. Oh, oh, and if, and it, if it never oh is got this loud. is this now? Is this like now what you would This like? is me always, my ideal party. Like I would not like it to be loud or crowded. I, I cannot. Music. Jake, do you remember when we crowds. walked into a party at two in the morning? Oh, we crashed the DP party? Yeah. And Mackenzie Yeager's like, pajama party. wow. She goes, wow. What did she say? She was like, I guess they're letting everyone in. Something like that. <laughs> it, was, it might as well have been that. We stayed for genuinely 20 minutes and then the vibes were so horrible. We had to leave. Well, my favorite party we crashed was, we, we, we kind of did crash. because So Brandon was invited to, this is when we were just starting to hang out with him. And he was invited to Melissa Nelson's um birthday but he didn't realize that it was like kind of a small like low-key thing of like 12 people so he decided to bring three extra people that was us melina and as soon as we get there we don't like know anybody well, we, we do pre- but like they don't like us we had pre-gamed so hard we arrived so, drunk. so hard melina immediately takes the ox cord puts on defying gravity um everybody was like eating just- goldfish and trying to play cards and like leave and like get out of, I, I'm pretty sure everyone was trying to not be in the same room as us. Um, Which was hard because well, it was a small apartment on the Upper East Side. Yeah. And we were just like, where's the weed? Where's the Four loco? <laughs> it was great. Um, and I think in my sophomore year at Marymount and I'm, Sam and I are the same grade, but I think I'm a year younger than me. I'm a year older than you, Jamie. Oh, okay. Sam and I are the same grade. All right. I think it's because Sam and I had that class together that just made me think yes. that we were born at the exact same moment in space time. Mm-hmm. Which class did you have? Was intro play to writing? playwriting. To intro to playwriting together. Uh, sophomore year, I went to, I think, Kevin Burleski's birthday party. And, mm. um, or maybe it wasn't his, maybe it was Claire, or maybe it was Anthony, one of his roommates at that apartment when they all lived together. And, um, uh, me and my roommate. I remember that apartment. Yeah, it was a cute little space. Me and my roommate. Hayley, Claire Istrom, right? Yeah. Claire Istrom and Anthony Ingarjo. We're saying everyone's last names here, by the way. Yeah. Yes. I'm not. I'm not saying anything <laughs> negative about any of these people, so I don't mind saying their names. They did live together. You could probably find it in a city document somewhere. But I um, am saying something negative about all of these people. Uh, no, uh, I love Claire. I love Claire. I, Claire's horrible. <clears throat> I stream her music. Um. Uh. So. Me and my roommate Haley and my roommate at the time, Megan Hoxie, were going to go. And Megan was really close with that apartment. And me and Haley were like buddies with that apartment, but mostly good friends with Kevin at the time. We were really good friends with Kevin. And we showed up. It was probably 11 or 12 for like a birthday party. So, you know, the night is young. And we walked in and I remember opening the door and it was just like visible hot box like you know when the smoke is like so thick that like it's just visible in the air yeah and we walked in and it was so loud and so crowded and we thought it was going to be a small intimate party so kind of opposite we walked in like Mm. oh yay and i like couldn't even find kevin in that apartment and i just remember we walked in and Haley and i like put our things down and then looked at each other and then picked our things up (laughs) And went and saw <laughs> Megan just like peeking over a crowd. And we went, Megan, we're on, we're going to go. We literally turned around and left and walked home. You're wow. so the opposite of me. 
Every party that I went Damn, to, don't I you was, dare. No, every party what is that this I narrative. Listen, every party that I went to, I immediately would try to find the weed room. And now Jamie's telling me that there oh, was yeah. a party that was just one big weed room. I was oh, going to yeah. say the it was the it was the apartment was the weed room. Yeah, but you couldn't get nodes. That's true. You had to do techniques or something. Are you node resistant? Why can't no, you get nodes? Jamie, like you were not allowed. No, I'm to talking get to nodes. you. Oh, I I'm just using MT jargon. Um, no, I just like this was before I smoked or drank. Not that I even do those things heavily now, oh, but like I don't right. like crowds. I don't like loud noises. I don't like people that I don't know. And I don't like drinking. I don't like smoking at the time. So I, I walked in and was like, oh, a night terror is occurring like to me right now. Yeah. But then luckily I could escape. I think that one time I, I was, was going to say, oh, I was at a party at Gina's apartment. And I was trying to text you, Jamie, telling you to come to the party. I think I remember this. And you were basically texting me back being like, well, I don't drink or smoke and I have to wake up early tomorrow. And I was very drunk and I was like, well, you should come and you should drink and you should smoke weed. I love peer pressure. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's fine. I didn't drink until my senior year of college. I didn't smoke until this the pandemic summer Hell you know, yeah. a year ago now. But oh my gosh. Wow. What do you think about smoking? Um, I like it better than drinking. Um, I do it a mm -hmm. lot because my boyfriend and roommates all are stoners. But if not for that, I would never, I mean, not never, but it's just not something I crave. I just do it if everyone around me is doing it. And it's pleasing. It's pleasant. Yeah. Um, I'm like talking so highly of all these parties because, you know, in high school, I really didn't get invited to like any. And I'm like, sharing that right now um so in college i decided to make it my mission to crash as many as possible um and i think i did a pretty good job yeah what is college if not revenge for high school and i exactly that is so good that was really <laughs> potent like because it's the people in high school who party so hard they either spiral out in college completely or they like stop partying and then it's like the reverse people like me and I didn't go crazy. I just went to a lot of parties and I like the vibe of cramming a thousand people into a New York railroad and apartment and having everyone be fucked up and being awful. I wish there were more, I wish I was part of more like fights at parties because those always look fun. I would, in, what, like, I, movies. what I would always do at parties is I would say inflammatory. Not like physical fights. <laughs> I would say inflammatory things to people and then I would walk away. So what, I would, what would you say? Because. Well, one time Harry Hill called me Sarah and I screamed, you're an asshole and walked away. You were oh. not entirely incorrect in saying that. <laughs> that was a victorious moment for you. I remember because that was like the culmination of your your feud with him. Yeah. You're like year long, year and a half long feud. Mm -hmm. Do you mind, and please be honest with me, do you mind if we stop talking about Marymount house parties and start talking about awards we would like to give out for this film? <gasps> Yes. Not film, sorry. Uh, oh my God. You don't want to talk about Marymount house parties for the rest of your life? Not particularly. <laughs> I would love to go into electroshock therapy in which I forget I went to Marymount and that it also exists. Yeah. I walk by it like every day. That's <sighs> trauma. I live too close. Um, yeah, we can, let's do like stray, um, plot points we want to get out before we move on to awards. Is there anything that we didn't speak about that you think we should that happened in the 
fluctuating story. One moment that really struck me was when <laughs> Tony Collette's frenemy says that she knows that her boyfriend is just using her and that he's going to cheat on her with Tony Collette. And she says, I don't mind. I know that that's just the way he is. That's how I feel about Chet Hanks. Stop it. You're right. <laughs> I'm staying out of that discourse. I love Chet Hanks. I, I'm also abstaining from that discourse. He's the greatest man I know. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> a boy, yes. Oh, a plot point I had to talk about is, so Mark Kudich is, Kudich is in this musical. He plays Jackie, the ambisextras addict of everything, who uh, rapes a child. And um, he just sort of spends a lot, if you watch this bootleg, he just sort of spends a lot of the time like kind of bopping around this stage in a cumbersome way and it reminds me i won't say why because i don't want to incriminate anybody but there was i i have seen mark kudich on stage in my lifetime and i have heard from a a castmate in was it Herata? stage production i'm not naming names i don't think it was <laughs> it was not in i'll name that name and, and i will clear her of <laughs> any defamation it was not in but a castmate of his did share because somebody was like, what's it like working with him? Oh, my gosh. He seems so like whatever. And this castmate was like, oh, he just sort of, you know, goes off and does his thing on stage. And I, I can't remember the exact words, but sort of conveyed that like sometimes Mark will or will not follow the script or the blocking or the general game plan and watching this bootleg i was like 100 percent, you've been given instructions and this is probably 35 percent. just like the way he moved around the stage i was like this is and he's like there was some pointing but not at yeah things i was like you don't know what you're doing and the director is praying that you just don't run into a set piece like Oh and, no. And then his voice like is wacko in this, which is weird because he's kind of got a sick voice. I was like, this is such a crunchy, crunchy moment for Mark. That detail about him not going along with choreography or plans is exactly what I want in my onstage rapist. <laughs> so I'm very Stop. happy about that casting. <laughs> You're right. But, yeah. Oh Lord. Ew. Maybe he added it to the script. No. No, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> also, um, Tony Collette at the time of this production is 28 years old, and Mandathy Patinkin is 48 years old, and it absolutely shows. Yeah, I'm sure. It's like just well, so young. He is not. They're not. How old is um her romantic interest? Black. I have no I idea. Thirty. Like okay. Do we ship Black and Queenie? I'm getting the vibe from this podcast, Jamie, that you don't think that Mandy Patinkin's character and Tony Collette's character should have been romantically entangled. Did you get that impression when he tried to kill her in the beginning? <laughs> uh, or when he tried to kill her in the end? Um, <laughs> or in the middle when he tries to kill her? Um, yeah, I can't say I'm like an enormous fan of their uh, relationship. I love Mandy Patinkin because he was on Criminal Minds and then just didn't right. show up to the season three premiere table read and wouldn't answer anybody's phone calls. And when he was asked about it months later, he said that the content was too depressing and he needed to go out to like a lake. Yeah, and then he left the show. I hate musical theater famous people. Like there's nothing worse than someone that's that is like entire claim to fame is musical theater. And I actually wrote a note. Mandy Patinkin and Patti Lapone are so abrasively distinct 
that like I'm sorry to say it, but I can rarely enjoy their performances, which I will admit like vocally they're they're what they do is kind of amazing, but it's are hard to enjoy it because it's just so abrasively distinct. It's so Mandy Patinkin at it's his so next song. Theater. His next song after the blackface one, the wouldn't it be nice? It's just Mandy Patinkin being Mandy Patinkin. And I was like, hell yeah. I, I mean, only... not everyone can be so subtle and different in everything they are like Carol Channing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so do we want to move on to awards? I'm prepared. I think so. Great. Oh, one more thing. There is that one song, which I feel like it's a Sondheim-y type thing too, like you were saying, like, um, there's like one song where it stops and you think that like, oh, this is the song song where they're like, we're trying to have a song song. It's people like us. Yeah. I did um, take note of which, that song. They have a better video of that, which we, I think we watched, Sam, right? We watched that one. I think we did. Yeah, it's a pretty good quality. And Tony's good in that. But yeah, that's the only song song. And it was it was interesting. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so Jake, your favorite piece of media that we've imbibed for this podcast has been Beautiful Awkward Pictures, the debut album of Tony Collette and The Finish. Is The Wild Party better than Beautiful Awkward Pictures? Um, God, this is a hard one because this is like, this is it. Um, yeah. Until this Stella. This is my favorite. Sure, which is soon. But um, something tells me that that won't be as good as, as um, I think I'm going to stick with beautiful, awkward pictures. I think wow. that's the crown jewel of her career. I'm writing down no, so that I remember when we- Are we going to ask Stella. about Adina's, um, are we going to start with different Adina? Are we going to say is, is uh, Rent better than If Then? Or whatever? I think that uh, we can figure that out later. Because few uh, things are better than If Then. That's very true. I saw If Then four <laughs> times. What? Do you want to come back for If Then? I want to come. I actually think because like, you, you. We don't have the, a guess for If Then. You sent me the whole list. I could come back for If Then and I definitely have discourse to provide. But I also. Do you have somebody for Frozen 2 yet? Uh, yeah, we have Ella Glabicki and Joey Pavanelli. Oh, you'll have fun with them. That's fine. Yeah. Um, you like Frozen 2? No, I hate it, which is why I want to <laughs> come on for Frozen 2. Um, but I could do if that. I mean, you know, we, I could do if that. I would. I literally saw it twice in D.C. Because, like I said, from a suburb outside of D.C. Saw it twice out of town, and then I saw it twice on Broadway. And I won't explain the circumstances or defend myself unless it is on the pod for the episode. Those are my terms. Incredible. Real quick, you saw Adina in all four? Absolutely. All four Never times. saw The Understudy. Never saw Jackie Burns. Okay. <laughs> I love this. Why should so, you? Here on the Tony Awards... <clears throat> We give three awards to each and everything we see, first of which is best prop. So Jamie, what was your best prop? All right, this might be a little bit controversial, but um, I am commenting on the treatment of this character as a prop. I said Sally the morphine addict is probably the best prop because the actress just gets to like genuinely lie on stage and be problematic without doing anything at all. Um, and then 90% of the way through the show, she just gets up and has to like struggle through a absurd soprano solo. I don't know how she sounds on the album because it's been a minute <laughs> since I've listened, but in the bootleg, my girl didn't nail it. I'm going to say she didn't <laughs> nail it. Well, they should have had Sam do it. 
They should have. I was four years old at the time. Or five. Who One cares? song. Yeah. Uh, Jake, what was your best prop? Um, mine was the ice that Tony asks for in at least four songs. Yeah. Um, she is constantly going, ice, please. Like, she's almost stabbed by Mandy Chicken, and she goes, where's my ice? I uh, thought that was pretty fun branding yeah. for this character. Um, <clears throat> my best prop was the letter W in the song Gin Slash Wild when Mandy Patinkin is going fucking insane and he's going, I love woo. Don't ever think about not loving me. Which was bonkers and made me very, very scared. Uh, the next award is best Tony moment. So Jake, what was yours? Mine was the entirety of the song Welcome to My Party. Um, that's a bop. I listened to it before a few weeks ago. I love it. I, she's just having fun. She's welcoming everyone to her party. It's just, that's, and then at the end, she just goes, follow me or something very like, very Broadway. I felt it in my bones yeah. calling me back to the stage. <laughs> Jamie, what about you? For the best moment, I mean, I know the writing, like the lyrics are kind of Riverdalian, but I, I said that People Like Us is just such a beautiful moment because the show is like a wildfire and then there's this very quiet, intimate moment and Toni Collette just absolutely nails it. Like, I, I think she was just really breathtaking. Um, can't understate that woman. I know she's kind of a meme because of this podcast, but that woman is a force. Like, she's just fucking incredible. She acting, really is. singing and dancing. Uh, my best Tony moment was the song This Is What It Is, which is right before Mandy Patinkin tries to kill her for the third and final time. <laughs> I thought it was a very nice song. And the next award this is, is what it is. Yes. The next award is a Sorry. custom award. It can be for whatever you want. Mine was best homage, which goes to two and a half men in the opening song when the female vaudeville dancers just start going, men, 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 men. Oh, yes. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. What about you, Jake? My Tony uh, award, sorry, I'm trying to load something. Um, I'm actually going to be giving Tony the Tony award that she was nominated for for this at the Tonys and didn't receive. Yeah, she did lose the Tony. Who and I'm trying to find out who to? she lost it to right now, but I can't find the Tony season. also was nominated. Right. Best featured, though, right? Yeah. Looking up 2001 Tony. We were having... Wait, are you sure it was that year? Wait. It was the 2000, the year 2020 awards. Oh, why don't I just look oh, up okay. Best Actress Musical Tonys? Hold on. I know that's a page edit this part oh it was uh heather headley from one for aida oh sure that's like yeah all right at least it wasn't like when fucking Edie falco beat tony and leah michelle and tina fey and amy poehler for yeah. nurse jackie very similar yeah what was leah michelle doing in that category what category did you just describe glee, uh, glee uh best lead actress in a comedy <laughs> She was not. She, wait, what? It was the first season. It was the first she, season. She was nominated for something for best leading actress in a comedy at the Emmys, right? Yeah. Chris. Leah Michelle, Emmy Award nominated actress in a category Once. with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. 
and Tony Collette. And Edie Falco, who won? Cringe. Well, she's good. I like her. I like her. But Nurse Jackie? I, you know, cringe a little Is bit. Is Edie Falco from The Sopranos? Yeah. Yes. She was okay. the, she was the, I'm sorry. Mother I Soprano. Was, I was going to say, I don't know the names. I don't watch them, but like, you know, she's the mom. I once watched a couple episodes of The Sopranos with my roommate, and then we decided to turn it off and watch Emily in Paris instead. Cringe. Oh, great. <laughs> um, oh, she was also nominated against, uh, so Heather Headley won, and then it was Tony, Rebecca Luker in The Music Man, right. Marin Mazzi in Kiss Me Kate, and Audra McDonald in Marie Christine, whatever that is. It's crazy how many musicals premiere on Broadway that 10 years later, nobody gives a fuck about or remembers that they existed. <laughs> or even a year later. Yeah. All right. Um, have you guys <clears throat> oh, wait. done your custom awards? I that was know. mine. Okay, right. So my award is for loudest and it goes to the entire cast um, <laughs> because I, I know it's probably different when you're listening to the recording, but when you are watching these people in a theater space on camera, I don't know if they were miked, but they certainly did not think they were. Um, just wow. the quality of the singing, of the speaking, yelling even, everything was like, as physically loud as you could possibly fucking make it. And it was uh, certainly like a physical feat to behold, but then also incredibly off-putting and <laughs> displeasing to the ear. I love that. And the Tony for loudest goes to Everyone. the entire cast of the wild party, Lakusa. Lakusa, he's not white, he's Italian. Thank you. Oh, erasure. So it looks like we've reached the end of the podcast. Do you have anything to plug, Jamie? Do I have anything to plug? Um, I'm available and I can plug my availability as a professional. Um, <laughs> I'm really hoping by the time this comes out, I'm currently between jobs, like day jobs. So I'm hoping by the time this comes out, I have one, but if it doesn't, I, I am available for like manual labor uh, in exchange for money, which I can use to pay rent and uh, bills and uh, buy food. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything going for me. Um, my Twitter and Instagram are at Mr. Brood City, M-R-B-R-O-O-D-C-I-T-Y. My Venmo is at Jamie Green Machine. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I love Tony Collette. Tony Collette, if you're listening, I love you to death. Peter Dinklage, if you're listening, I just watched three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri for the first time, and I yearn for you, even though you played a problematic character. <laughs> I don't think he was problematic. I think that the movie was problematic for the only reason they cast him that they were just making fun of him the whole time. I felt bad. I also felt bad, but I fell and my feeling could be misinformed, but I felt that they were trying to create like a small rural town where every single person like uh, is hurting every single other person around them because they don't know how to be compassionate and respectful because of how under-resourced they are and um you know they live in the shadow of all of these social issues and are left out of the discussions so that's how i interpreted it uh, but i could be wrong if peter dinklage tells me i'm wrong then i'm wrong 
Most but, importantly, you are trying to fuck Peter Dinklage is yes. the crux of what you were trying to say there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just saw him in that 30 Rock episode where she thinks he's a child and then she <laughs> goes on a date with him. Wow. I would Hail Paymon. Hail Paymon. Hail Paymon. Hail Paymon. That movie ruined my whole fucking day when I saw it. Bye, Tony. Bye, Tony. In a a little bit, okay? We'll be back, Tony. Bye, Tony. Bye, Tony. And hello, me.